Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to share some thoughts relevant to the Zman Habalina Latoiva, um, specifically to a group of young men who have dedicated themselves to Limana Torah during this time of the year. Even though I'm not, a gra- I'm not an alumni of Landers, I do feel a very strong connection. So I learned in Chavetz Chaim, I learned down the block. Um, but when I was learning for smicha, I needed a quiet place to learn, so I used to learn Shulchan Aruch in the Landers based Medrash. And then I moved, actually, you know the Majestic? It's a building on the corner of 150th and Union Turpike. So Shabbos afternoon, what do you do with the kids? So I used to stroll into Landers and let them run around the field. And then sometimes if the guards would let me into the building, we would take them upstairs and go up to the roof. So I spent a lot of time in, in the building. And then when Rabbi Sachs came, I used to come to his shirim many Thursdays. And whenever I need to look something up, like in a Masifta Gemara or some Sefer, they didn't have any Shiva, I would go. And it actually became uh, a little annoying because I, I needed to get into the building. You know, in Chavetz Chaim, you could just sort of go in. That was back in the day. That was before terrorism. But Landers was always high-tech security. And I actually have my Landers card. Because I... <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I, I, I just came back from a trip from uh, the Ukraine, Poland, and Hungary. And I thought I might need a clergy card. So I don't have a clergy card. So you know what, I think I, I still have my Landers card. So when, and I, uh, I, I, when I came in now, I said, do I still have it? I actually still have my Landers. I don't even know if you guys have a Landers card. So that's my connection. I um, thank my good friend Rabbi Bamberger. Is that someone? How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome back. Um, for the opportunity to share with you some thoughts. The Gemara Saita on Daf Memtes tells us a very bleak prognosis about the period of time, period in history, prior to the coming of Mashiach. This is known as Ikvasad the Mashiach, the heels of Mashiach. And the Gemara gives us a very bleak prognosis. The Gemara tells us, Chutzpah Yaske, Chutzpah will proliferate, the Yoiker Yamir, and prices will inflate. Hagefen Titein Piria. There will be a lot of fruits, but it will be expensive, and the houses of the Chachomim will turn into houses of ill repute. And it's a whole long laundry list of terrible disasters that will occur in the end of days. And people won't have any respect, and people will be ordering around their parents. And it's one tragedy after the other. Pnei Hador Pnei The leaders will be like dogs. And then the Mishnah ends off as follows. What are we going to rely on? What could we be soimechan? Who could we rely on? Says the Mishnah. We have no one to rely on other than the Almighty. That's how the Mishnah ends. It gives us a list of a dozen or so tragedies that will occur in the end of days, but the Mishnah says, don't worry, we have nothing to rely on other than the Almighty. And Rav Gifter was bothered by the following question. Because the conclusion of this Mishnah seems to be anticlimactic and a little incongruous. Here the Mishnah is telling us all these terrible things that will happen in the end of days. And the Mishnah ends off on a good note. Don't worry. Even though we have nothing to rely on, we could rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's uh, anticlimactic. It should end off with the biggest disaster of all. Why is it ending on a good note? So you say, what do you mean? We always end on a good note. This is not even the end of the Masechta. The Gemara then quotes a Brisa 
which is, which is a good note. Pinchos ben Yar Oimer, Torah Mavioli de Zahiros, Lide Zrizos, Lide Nikios. So you can't say that this is written here to end off on a good note, because anyway it's going to end off on a good note. So what is this positive conclusion doing here? Next question. There's this uh, little-known minhag. Actually, it's very well-known and very much capitalized on that even though minhag Yisrael, we don't eat meat in the nine days. By the way, even though we call it a minhag, the Archa Shulchan, in Simen Tav Kof Nun Aleph, Sivkat and Chav Gimel, writes, not eating meat in the nine days is da'iraisa. Da'iraisa? The whole nine days is not da'iraisa. How can not eating meat... He says, because since for hundreds of years Jews don't eat meat in the nine days, the Jewish people have accepted it upon themselves as a neder, and therefore it has a biblical status. Eating meat in the nine days is an iser da'iraisa, Archa says. And yet, we've come up with this amazing loophole that if you finish Mesech Tahoriyos, or maybe even Mesech Tahomid, or some other little Tainus or Megillah, you could arrange for a barbecue three meals a day for the course of nine days. We have this minog, which is not brought in Shulchan Aruch, to make a siyam, and somehow when you make a siyam, it's a sudas mitzvah, and this way we could eat meat. Is this really a genuine minhag? What kind of minhag is this? It seems to be circumventing the halacha. You know, Chazal say that you're only chayef in Meiser if you bring it in through the front door, but if you bring it in through the window, then you're potter from Meiser, and Chazal criticize those who bring it in through the window because they're trying to circumvent the halacha. So what would Chazal say about somebody who finished Megillah 17 and a half years ago and left over two words to finish up during the nine days? It seems to be somewhat of a excessive leniency, is there a really basis for this supposed minagi? So in fact, I once heard, when I lived in Ir HaKodesh, Kigarn Hills, I used to go to Levnayach Isaac Olbaum, and he once said over a story that uh, there's a hotel in the Catskills, not sure if it's still around, uh, it's called Zucker's Hotel, and the Gedolim used to frequent that hotel, Rav Moshe used to go there, Rav Schneer Cutler used to go there, and Rav Moshe would make a him every day of the nine days. Rav Moshe, Right? He's an Orthodox rabbi, Rabbi Moses Feinstein. He made a siyum every single day of the nine days. And Rav Schneir Cutler, also another Orthodox rabbi, was sitting there in the back, and he did not want to partake of the siyum because, you know, the siyum in the nine every day. So he was sort of minding his own business and not making it known that he wasn't partaking of the siyum. And Rav Moshe went over to him, he says, you're to eat at the siyum. Why? He says, if you don't eat at the siyum then the guy who's going to eat his hot dog, he's going to feel a little guilty about it. He's going to figure it's not really legitimate. And he's going to eat it, but now with so much appetite, and you're being moinea hanoam Yisrael. So you need to partake of the scene. Was it really so important for them to have a barbecue every single day? What is this? I know in the camps, I think they also, they make siyumim pretty often. I believe the Mishabura says not to make a siyum the last three days of the nine days. That already is the... The, the peak of the Avelos, but nevertheless, what is this concept of making a siyum during the nine days? So we have a major question, another question here. What was the siva of the Bayes Rishon, of the Chorban Bayes Rishon? What was the cause of the destruction of the first base of Mikdash? The Gemara Numa says, it was the big three. Avedizara, Gili Arayas, Shrikas Damim, the three cardinal sins. That's what the Gemara says. And yet, if you look in the Navi Yermiah, the Navi Yermi says, 
You know that? Sound familiar? We're going to read on Tisha B'Av. There's a big question. Nobody knew. Not the Chachamim, not the Nevi'im, not the Malachi Asharis. Nobody understood what the reason for the Chorban would be. Alma of the Haaretz. And the Navi says, They forsook the Torah. Literally, they weren't learning. Okay, we know the Gemara Nadarim has a understanding of this Gemara, but the simple words of the Navi are, they were not learning Torah properly. So it's a, it's a major contradiction. The Gemara says they're walking around the streets murdering people, bowing down to idols, committing adultery, and the Gemara says, no, they weren't learning uh, Gemara every day. So which one was it? Were they violating the big three, or were they not learning? And I'm sure you know the famous Yushami and Chagiga, was willing to be mevater on the big three, but he was not willing to be mevater the sin of Bittol Taira. So the Yushalmi seems to support what the Navi says, that it was Bittol Taira. So what, where does the big three come in? So there's an Alshech, Rav Moshe Alshech. But Moshe Alshech was one of the great all-time darshanim. He lived from 1508 to 1593. He was the Talmud Muvuk of Maran Bet Yosef. In fact, at the end of the Beis Yosef's life, when the Beis Yosef was too weak to sign his name, the Alshech signed his name. The Alshech once uh, gave a drasha, and he explained that when Bilam tricked, uh, tried to trick Yaakov Avinu, Aseres Moinim, he explained all a hundred ways uh, Lavan tried to trick Yaakov Avinu. And there was a, the Arizal was there, and he said, you know, Lavan himself came to that Russia, and he was laughing that the Aushach figured out all the hundred ways that, uh, ya- that Lavan tried to trick Yaakov Avinu. So the, the Aushach was one of the all-time great Darshanim, and he gives the following mashal. It's a little bit of a disturbing mashal, and you'll tell me what you think. The Alshech says there was once a king. And the king had a musician. And the musician played such beautiful, enchanting melodies. The musician just played such beautiful music that the king was so enraptured by the music, despite the fact that they came and they told the king, you know, this musician, you know what he did yesterday? He assaulted someone. He robbed a bank. The king would not pay attention. The king ignored all evil reports about this musician. And then it came to the attention of the king that the musician killed someone. And the, mus- the king would not listen to anything about this musician. He was so enchanted and enraptured with the music, he didn't want to hear. And then one day, they came to the king and they said, King, you know, the, this musician of yours, he got into a little altercation with his uh, next door neighbor over where to put the garbage can and they got into a little fight, and they struggled, and the musician broke his arm. The king said, kill him. So they wonder, you know, he's killing people, he's murdering people, he's assaulting people, and the king does nothing, and he got into a little fight, and he broke his arm, and now you want to kill him? And the king said, yeah. Because so long as he was able to play that beautiful music, 
So long as I was enchanted by his melodies, I could not pay attention to any of his wrongdoing. But the moment his hand is rendered invalid and he can't play the music, then the guy is scum of the earth anyway. I don't really like him, so I'm going to knock him off. Says the al it's the same thing with Klal Yisrael. Chazal tell us that for seven generations, Klal Yisrael were murdering, they were worshipping idols, they were committing adultery, and Hashem ignored it. And in the eighth generation, Hashem said, enough is enough, and He said He's going to destroy the base HaMikdash. Why? Because they stopped learning. Because for seven generations, despite all the terrible sins the Jews were committing, and the murder, and the adultery, and everything, Hashem was so enraptured and enchanted by the sweet melody of the Lima Torah that Hashem turned a blind eye to what Klal Yisrael was doing and He ignored all the terrible Averos so long as Klal Yisrael was learning. But in generation 8, as soon as they stopped learning, Hashem nailed them for the big three. So which sin was it? Was it not learning or was it violating the big three? It was violating the big, big three, but they were protected from it so long as they were learning, once they stopped learning, they were nailed for the big three. That's the al You like that hashkafa? That sits well with you? Do you like that idea? That you could be a murderer, an adulterer, an idolater, and as long as you're a lamdin and a tamad chacham, you have immunity to any repercussion. The Marit does not like this Hashkafa. Shal Sechuvas Maharit, Rabbi Yosef Mitrani. Rabbi Yaakov Emden says he was the greatest of all the Achroinim. Rabbi Yanisin Ibishit says he was Godol HaAchroinim, the son of the Mabit. The Marit says, without quoting the name of the Alshech, he basically quotes the Mashal word for word, and he has two choice words for this Mashal Chilul Hashem. He says it's a desecration of God's name to offer this idea. That for seven generations the Jewish people were idolaters, adulterers, murderers, and they were given immunity because they were involved in an afternoon summer kailah. No, it doesn't work like that. Says the, uh, the Maharit, Loi ha medrish you know the story with Rabbi Hanina ben Trajan. Rabbi Hanina ben Trajan asked Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma, am I going to have Olam Abba? And Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma said, I don't know, you do mitzvahs? And he said, yeah, one time uh, I did a mitzvah. He said, okay, you'll have Olam Abba. What do you mean? Rabbi Hanina ben Trajan was the biggest Marvitz Torah in the generation. He gave shir. He was Moisar Nefesh to give shir. Says the Marit, if somebody learns and he's not involved in doing mitzvahs, he gets no Olam Abba. If your whole game is Torah, and you don't have good character, you don't have a proper personality, and you don't have Midois Toivois, it's not worth anything. Even though the Zayar seems to say that someone who's involved in learning doesn't have to answer anything to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, says Marit, you have to know what that means. The bottom line is, The Iker is fear of God. The purpose of learning is to become an elevated, better person. Otherwise, the Gemara says in Tainus, you know, Torah is like rain. 
we, we tend to think, you know, learning, it's always good. Learning is always good for everyone. Learning is great. Oh, the Gemara says, learning is like rain. Ya'arev kamatar l'kri tizal katalem rasi. Torah could be, is rain always good? I don't think the people who were in the, you know, the tsunami were big fans of the rain. Rain is good, depends what's planted, the Gra writes. The Gra says in Mishlei that if wheat is planted, rain is good, rain is very good. If poison ivy is planted, if poison is planted, then rain is very bad. It depends what's planted in the field. The same thing with a person, says the Gra. If a person has good midas and good character, and Yerushalayim, Torah will bring out all of these wonderful things that lay dormant inside of the soul. But if the person is harboring arrogance and jealousy and bad midas, the Torah will bring these out in even greater capacity. The Torah is just like rain, but it depends what's planted in the soul. Says the Marit, Chas v'shalayim, to say that the Jewish people committed terrible averus and they got immunity because they were learning. Torah is not an immunity for anything. And the Marit therefore says, he doesn't quote the Alshech by name, but he basically says, that Dvar Torah is what we call a Chilol Hashem. But what are we going to do with the Alshech? The Alshech, HaKadosh, not, you know, they don't call me a new HaKadosh. One of the few people are called HaKadosh. What did the Alshech mean? Did the Alshech really mean that a Jew who committed terrible sins, he was protected because he was involved in learning? So Rav Shach gave the following approach to explain the Alshech and defend the Alshech from the questions of the Marit. And Rav Shach said as follows. He says, Rav Shach, Klal Yisrael is one entity. We're Chativa Achas. Heaven forbid, if one Jew is involved in terrible Averois, but they're learning at the same time, that learning is not worth the price that a, of the paper is, pl- is printed on. It will not offer any immunity. But Klal Yisrael is one entity. And if there are members of the Jewish people who are involved in terrible Averois, but there are other members of the Jewish people who are God-fearing and have Midois Toivois, and they are playing the sweet music of pure, unadulterated Limur HaTayra. So heaven forbid, if the person involved in Averos is playing the music of Torah, that is not sweet music in the ears of Hashem. But if in this entity called Klal Yisrael, there are Yidin who are pure, Kadosh Vitar, and they're learning Torah, their music is so sweet in the eyes of Hashem that Hashem says, I will not punish Anyone in Klal Yisrael, because since they are one entity, the beautiful, enchanting, melodious music of those Jews involved in learning Torah is so sweet, is so beautiful, that I will choose to ignore what is the sin produced from the entity called Klal Yisrael. That's what the Alshech means. If the individual is involved in terrible Averois, they can produce sweet music. However, those members of the Jewish people who are Kadosh Vatar and are dedicating their summers and their free time for Limud HaTorah, says Rav Shach, that Limud HaTorah protects all of Klal Yisrael. How many buildings don't chas v'shalom because of the learning of a few people? How many bleachers don't chas v'shalom because of the learning of a few people? 
says Rav Shach, what the Alshech means is that since Kali Yisrael is Chativa Achas, the learning of a select few offers an iron dome to the rest of the Jewish people. At the Chanukah Sabayis of Yeshiva Kal so they invited Rav Shlomo Zalman to give uh, a drasha. And Rav Shlomo Zalman said as follows, we know when somebody builds a new house, they're supposed to leave opposite the entrance, ama by ama, unplastered. Why? So you come in and you see the house is not perfect, it's not fully designed, there's something withheld, there's something being held back, there's a zeichel lechorben. However, the Prima Godim is quick to say that in a base hamedrish, you don't need to make a zeichel lechorben. Why? What's the pshat in the Prima Godim? Says Rav Shlomo Zalman, because so long as Kal Yisrael were learning Torah, their sweet music protected Kal Yisrael. It's only once Kal Yisrael stopped learning that the base hamedrish was destroyed. Which means in the realm of Limar Torah, in the dimension, in the Bechina, in the vicinity of Limar Torah, the concept of Chorbin doesn't exist. There is no Chorbin. Ein Chorbin b'makoim Torah. B'makoim Torah, there is no Chorbin based on Mikdash. Ein loy l'hakadosh baruch hu ba'olamai emiyoyim shachara based on Mikdash. Ein loy l'hakadosh baruch hu ba'olamai ela dalet amos shal halacha, which means that of the Chorbin, that which still stands of the Beis HaMikdash is the realm of Limanatayim. So when you're in a Beis HaMedrash and you're involved in learning, you don't need to make a Zechel Chorbin. There is no Chorbin. The Beis HaMikdash is still standing in that realm, in that dimension. Says the Rosh Hashiva of Tells, of Laser Gordon, says Rosh Hashiva of Tells, he went collecting in London, and he was nifter in London, uh, fundraising. Had a schuss to be at his kever in, in London. Says Reb Lezer tells him, the reason why if you make a siyum, you're allowed to eat meat, it's not like we thought. Oh, really? You're not allowed to eat meat. And if you make a siyum, you superimpose an uh, extra legal simcha that overrides the korban. That's not the lamdas. The lamdas is if somebody was so involved in limanat Torah, that they achieve the ultimate achievement and they're making a siyum, then in that realm and in that dimension, the Beis HaMikdash was never destroyed. So, b'makayim taira in chorben. There is no chorben. There's nothing to, to mourn. There's nothing to commemorate. The Beis HaMikdash is standing for that individual. In that makayim, in that realm, the Beis HaMikdash is still standing. How many hours in the three weeks? Too many. <laughs> how many hours in the three weeks? So how long is the three weeks? And the wrong answer is three weeks. You know the three weeks. There's no such thing as the three weeks. There's no, it doesn't say anywhere three weeks. It's Bein Amazar. It's 22 days. It's three weeks and one day. How many hours in the three weeks? 528. 22 times 24. Gematria says the Bnei Yisachar Mafteach Ki. It's the key of Geula. How many prakim in Mishnah and Shisha Siddur Mishnah? Five hundred and twenty-eight prakim in Shas. Can I get the five hundred and twenty-eight hours in the three weeks? The only thing is, the last five hours we get off the ground already. That's because the Masar Sashas says there are really five hundred and twenty-three prakim in Shas. Five of the prakim are Tosefta. Parak and Kedushin, Bikurim, 
Psachim, Saita, Perkei So there are 523 Prakim and Shas proper, five Prakim with added Toysefta, 523 hours in the three weeks, plus five hours after uh, we get up after Chatzos, because that's when Mashiach is born. The key to Geula is Limud HaTayra. Even though the Gemara says the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, the Ramchal says not really. The Ramchal writes that all of the trouble that we find ourselves in today, it's all because Al-Azvam as Tairasi, because of Bittal Taira. Says Ramchal, if you look at number 21 in the Darach Chaim, Vihine Tira, you will see Shechurban, Beis Kodshenu, Vitifartenu, Vishagalinu, Mearzenu, Haya, Ba'avoin, Bittal Taira. But says the Ramchal. On the next page. Eisek ha-Toyra hu-Roish l'chol ha-Tikunem. Genuine involvement in learning Torah is our chief rectification. L'chein hizra l'akam pa'omim. V'kas oleinu ka'akas ha-zah asher ozwez Torasai. It's interesting. I saw the Chetam Sofer says the same thing. That even though we're used to thinking second base Hamikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, some surfer says, Do you remember the Gemara in Yuma? The Gemara in Yuma says on Daf Samach Tes that the Anshe Kesagdola Davin Tvi Mavatel Avodazara. And what emerged from the base Hamikdash when, when they offered that tefillah? A lion. A lion emerged from the base Hamikdash. That indicates that the, the massive passion for Avodazara, it left, it vanished. Samsever points out, and what animal was leaving the base of Mikdash by Bayashini? A fox. A fox. So the Archonar says that's right, because a fox is not a big, powerful animal. It's a sly, clever animal, because the sin that destroyed the second temple, the sin that destroyed the first temple, was Avodazara, the lion. The sin that destroyed the second one was a sly, clever type of sin. Sin Aschinom, or the Yitzhahara, convinces you this guy, you're allowed to hate him because. His yarmulke size, his coloring, his, is not the way that you were brought up. It's a very, it's a sinister type of sin, like a fox. Says Achsam Sofer, no. What does the fox represent? Gemar Bracha says. The Romans made a decree to outlaw Limanat Torah. And Rabbi Akiva was teaching Torah Barabin. So they told Rabbi Akiva, what's going on? You're endangering your life. So Rabbi Akiva gave the following mashal. There was a fish that was navigating in the river trying to outswim the fishermen. And the fox says to the fish, I have a great idea. Why don't you leave the river and come out onto the dry land and we'll stroll together. And what did the fish say? Ma, if in the place of my life, my life is in danger, then if I leave the water, alachas kama v'kama. Says Rabbi Akiva, if while I'm learning, which is my life is in danger, imagine if I stop learning. So says the Chsam Soifer, the fox represents the Avera of Azvam as Tairasi of Bittal Taira. And the fox that Rabbi Akiva saw prancing around the Harabayas, that is the fox that is representative of what caused the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. So to have such a Chashav group of young men who have dedicated their summers to Limanat Taira, Bemakaim Taira Ein Chorban. In this Makaim, 
In this makam of Limar Atayra, this is where the Binyan Beis HaMikdash has begun. This is where there is Binyan. There's no Zeichel Chorben over here. B'makam Taira Ein Chorben. Says Rebbe Chanan Vassarman, he quotes from Chaim Belajner, this is Oyoim Benayra. In the end of days, there are going to be many disasters. Prices will soar, and there'll be inflation, and there'll be promiscuity, and there'll be chutzpah, and every bad character trait. But you know what the biggest klala of all is? You know what the biggest curse is? The biggest curse of all is that in the end of days, people are going to say, what do we do? Mehron, Stalin, Surfside. We, we, we don't know what to do. People are going to wave their hands and say, you know, we have no one to rely on. We can only rely on God. That's the biggest curse of all. Curse? Isn't that bitachon? That's the biggest curse. It's the bezoyoin for the Taira. The Yubayim Shem says, what do you mean, what should you do? You know exactly what you need to do. I already told you. Don't you remember how the learning of Torah of few protected the Jewish people for seven generations? Don't you know the power of Limanat Torah? Don't you know B'makoim Torah Ein Chorben? You know what to do. The Torah is Kihem Chayenu. It's Oirech Yamim Bimina Usmaila Oisher B'chavayid. The Ramchal writes, Eisek ha hu roish Learning Torah is the chief rectification. It's, listen to these words of Ramchal. First paragraph 21. Limud Torah senu huleyetzar hara sitra achra sam hamodes. Learning Torah is for the forces of darkness, an elixir of poison. Ola achinu beis Yisrael husam hachayim. You know what the biggest curse of all is? In the end of days, there'll be like this helicopter. The guy's drowning, and the helicopter comes, and he throws down the ladder rope. And the guy's going to be saying, What should I do? I have no one to rely on. Who's going to help me? And there's this chopper, you know, spinning right above him. And all he needs to do is grab onto the ladder, and he's screaming, He's stuck. Help, help. What do you mean, help? I'm here to get you. The Yom said, I gave you the remedy. The biggest curse of all is that in 2021, when Kal Yisrael is challenged, we say, Yivam says, you know for 2,000 years what you need to do. Now all of a sudden you don't know what to do and you're relying on me? That's a bezoyen hatayra. So in this makayim, where Baruch Hashem, you have this chus to take advantage of the samachayim, May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless all of you for your Torah. Not only has it brought bracha to you and to your families, you've brought bracha to all of Klal Yisrael. You've brought bracha to the future of Klal Yisrael. You've brought the Beis HaMikdash ever closer. And may we all together be zoicha to see the Karo Mamish, the Binyan Beis HaMikdash, and Herbi Aminu. Amen.